Welcome to an episode of Marketing, Management, and Money with your host, Ryan Murray. And this is your host, Ethan Meliori. So we, uh, we, we like to look at small business topics and think about what is pertinent and what actually really matters to businesses. One of the frustrating things that I have, and I'm already on a tangent. We didn't even get started and I'm already on a tangent. But one of the frustrating things that I see is, you know, you look at like these shark tanks and, uh, you know, kind of this reality TV type entrepreneurship and everyone makes it all about just getting the funding. And it's this idea that it's like, oh, well, you know, if you if you get the right funding, then your business, you know, put the team in place, get the funding, and then your business is just going to, you know, blow up. And, and and I'm like, well, I would agree with that, except for I would use a different uh, tone on the word blow up. Um, you know, it's just there's more to it than, um, you know, like it's not just funding and team and having a a sexy business plan. There's a lot of small little things that, you know, it's these details that make such a difference. And that's what we want to talk about today is we want to talk about one of these details. And uh, the detail that I want to jump into is time wasters that I see so many owners get sucked into. Little things that they shouldn't be doing or spending too much time on things or being completely diverted from where their attention should be. And so as we go through this, now this is not an exhaustive list, but as we go through this list of time wasters, I want you to think, if you're a business owner, I want you to think about what are you doing? Where are you spending your time? Now, before uh, you know, before jumping on with this episode, Ethan, we were kind of chatting about a couple, and uh, and you brought up some. So I'm going to let you kick it off with uh, with some of the some of the time wasters that you see a lot when working with business owners. Well, I'm going to start with one that just plagues all of us, and that is email. <laughs> anyone who is anyone inside of an organization gets a lot of email, and the more email you do the more email you get back because it just creates spam and everything else. And it comes to a point in time where now it's even hard to try to filter that out to even see what the hot spots are. So as we look at uh, emails, uh, a couple suggestions that uh, you may want to consider as you're trying to figure out whether or not you're wasting a lot of time doing email. And that is how often do I look at email in a given period of time? In my life, I found that the balance for me is I look at it first thing in the morning to see if there's anything hot that happened overnight. Um, I try not to do email when I'm home with my family. I try to leave business there. That, that you know, when we talk about time wasters, uh, I, I'm jumping in, but I'm going to say that the, it's so important that you put your priorities right. Because one of the time wasters is, you know, spending too much time on your business and not enough time with the relationships that matter. So, you know, I agree with you. Le leave the email at work, not at home. Yeah. So I check it first thing in the morning to see if anything crazy exploded overnight. And I, and I generally just, I look for the hot topics and I weed out anything that I know is instantly junk. And especially if I know it's going to be junk and I don't want to see it again, I get off that list. Because you're going to get added to lists time and time again. And unless you get off the list, it's coming back again and again. And mm -hmm. you're going to waste time seeing the same stuff doing it. So get off the list that you don't want to be on anymore. Don't don't waste any more time there. So I have kind of a, and this is just my own personal uh, rule of thumb, my inbox, I keep it under 100. 
And if I can have it under 100, I can keep track of it. If it gets over 100, then I start to lose track of things. And, you know, if I'm on a, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm on a newsletter that is sending me stuff and it's, you know, think about that. If I've got, you know, five of them in there, it's 5% of my capacity. And I'm like, ah, okay, is this worth 5% of my capacity? If not, yeah, get rid of it, you know. Well, and you can spend, and there's a lot of value in newsletters, but some newsletters you can spend hours going mm-hmm. through the information because mm-hmm. if there's links and other things on them. So be careful with newsletters. Like I said, get off anything that you find that you're not actively going and looking at. If you get a newsletter and you think, oh, I want to read that someday, but five newsletters later you haven't read it, get off the list. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so similar to email, let's talk about social media here for a second. As a business owner, now, in your personal time, I don't care. Do whatever you want to do. You know, if you're a big Snapchat fan, great. Have at it, you know, go to town. But as a business owner, I see so many businesses that they're just like, oh, well, I do this for my business. Like, That's fine. Do it for your business. However, are you looking at the ROI? And the biggest mistake that I'm seeing is that uh, business owners are not valuing their own time. And, you know, I've talked about this before on the show. If I were to hire someone who had an expertise in finance and expertise in marketing that knew how to manage a company, you know, that did everything that you as a business owner do, I would pay top dollar for that person. You know, this is a six figure salary that I would have to pay for that person. And think about it that way. Okay, if if I'm in a six-figure salary range, then, you know, this is 50-plus dollars an hour. If I spend one hour on social media, did I get more than $50 of value coming right back to me? And most of the time, it's not. You know, I mean, are, are you really making that kind of money? Are you, you know, is your social media really churning something out? And if it is, I'm guessing you've probably hired someone to oversee that social media. But you as the owner, getting stuck into doing a whole bunch of social media, are you really getting an ROI on 50 bucks an hour investment? I doubt it. You know, so either outsource that or just cut it back or whatever you got to do, but don't get sucked into like, why are you doing this? Why are you the one who is trying to make all your social media work? And I find on social media, and you're the marketing guru between the two of us. So you correct me if you feel this statement's wrong. Everything you do on social media should lead to a sale directly or indirectly. Mm-hmm. And too many people spend time on social media just to say they're, have an online presence. Yeah. It's not actually productive. Yeah. Well, and you know, you hear a lot about vanity metrics where, you know, people talk about the number of likes or the number of shares or, and it's like, okay, at the end of the day, what is that getting you? Now it takes a minute for a campaign to, you know, to catch on. If you're going to get into social media marketing, it's the long game. You know, you're looking, you're measuring things in three month increments, six month increments, year increments. You're not measuring them in days and weeks. And so, you know, it's kind of hard to know immediately if it's leading to a sale. But uh, if after the end of, you know, three, six months, your sales have not increased because of your social media efforts, why? Why are you doing it? You're getting vanity metrics. You know, people are like, oh, I love it. It's so exciting but then they're not shopping with you. And that's, you know, that that's a problem. 
Oh, and, and that social media should lead them through multiple pages as they track your product or as they're looking at product. It shouldn't just be a great picture of your product and they're moving on. Mm-hmm. They, they've got, when you track those metrics, they need to be showing that they're going deeper into your business with every click. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. What what outside of, I mean, these are kind of the given. These, these are the go-tos. Everyone's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I spend too much time on my phone. I spend too much time on my email. I spend too much time doing social media. Everyone recognizes that. I want to get into some of the hidden ones. Some of the ones that the owners may not recognize they're even doing. And some of the things that they're doing that they think are good things to do, but should not be done by an owner. And so, um, you know, wh- where where do you see a lot of error in that? Let's let's start with, you know, things that, uh, that they shouldn't be doing that they think are a good thing to be doing. I'm going to start with communication. And I'm going to use it just because... Yeah, they should is, be communicating. Let's get that out of there. <laughs> and you got to follow me for a minute. <laughs> because this is a real challenge for me that if I'm busy, I assume everyone else should be able to read my mind. I spit out one word and I just assume that they understand in that one sentence the complexity of everything I want them to accomplish. Of the thing you've been thinking about for the last three days? Correct. Yeah. Absolutely correct. That they haven't thought about at all. That's correct. (laughs) So I find that communication is a key for me. And I have two sayings that I live by. A lack of communication, or well, let me rephrase it. Frustration comes from a lack of communication. So if I have frustration with an employee or a a project that we're working on, the first thing that comes to my mind is, oh, I haven't been communicating. Okay. Mm -hmm. So frustration comes from a lack of communication. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, But I also uh, have it that unmet expectations come from a lack of communication. Mm. Okay. So whenever I find one of those two things that they're not living up to my standards or something in the project is not going right. Ah, I've got to step back and say, I haven't been communicating properly. Mm. And and what happens is now we've wasted a ton of time. See, and you don't, most people don't think of that way, but we have we've wasted a lot of time because we're not running efficient. The project isn't getting done on time. We're wasting time trying to fix our mistakes because the communication wasn't there. Um, we've, I just assumed that someone's out running, doing something to only find out that it's not getting done. Mm-hmm. So the communication, it's this hidden little animal that causes us a lot of grief that a lot of times we just disregard that it's not a time waster. Well, yeah, it's wasted a lot of time and maybe even money and other resources inside of our company. If, if we don't have good communication and clear and concise communication. So I'm going to bring that into a very specific example. And th- there are hundreds of, you know, different examples that I could pull from, but I see this one happen a lot. And I don't think that people understand the the huge waste that it is in a business. And that is that there will be a planning meeting. You know, you get people together uh, and, you know, typically it's got some sort of agenda and, you know, there's some action steps and everyone knows that, okay, cool, Tuesday morning at 10 a.m., you know, we're going to have this this planning meeting, right? And they'll plan and they'll discuss and they'll decide. And then on Wednesday, someone will change that decision. And I see it happen mm-hmm. all the time. 
And it will be for various reasons. It'll be that, well, I didn't really agree with what was being said in the meeting. I hear that, you know, or someone didn't show up to the meeting and they're like, well, I wasn't in the meeting. And so, you know, we need to figure this out again, you know, or it will be that all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the highest ranking member, you know, the CEO, if, if, if you're the owner, do not do this. Don't allow your opinion to sway what was discussed in the meeting. You have to respect that time or else you just wasted that entire meeting. And, I, I mean, we did a full episode of the high cost of worthless meetings, and it talks about that, you know, you've got five people around that room. They're decision makers, so they're higher paid employees in the company, and you just took whatever their wages, times it by five, and threw that all out the window. It was just a waste of time. And so if a decision is made in the meeting, stick to the decision. Have some discipline, you know. And and so when you're talking about the communication, that's a form of communication is the follow-through. If something was decided, stick with the decision. Don't don't jump back to something else because you feel differently. It's like, no, 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 no. You are violating communication right now. Because that, you know, that meeting, the, the whole purpose of the meeting was to give everyone an opportunity to share, to discuss, to, you know, air their grievances. And then a decision was made. Well, now if people are, you know, bouncing back and forth, coming up with different ideas, then all, all you did is you said, well, that communication is worthless. You know, all that time spent was worthless. We're not going to go with this plan, you know, plan B. You know, so the meeting after the meeting, toxic. Just, oh. Well, in... And another point that you brought up is that as the leader in your organization, if you know the direction you need to go, hold the meeting to make sure that they clearly understand the direction you're going. Don't hold the meeting to ask for a consensus or what I would say affirmation, okay? If you're wanting their opinion, ask for their opinion. If you're wanting their affirmation, then just tell them what you're going to do because you're not going to get the affirmation. So... We, uh, uh, and, and I've, I've kind of shared this a little bit that, uh, I got suckered into, uh, um, coaching my son's competitive soccer team. Um, you know, so they're 15 year olds. Uh, he's been playing since he was five. So for a decade, he's been playing soccer, knows a ton about it. He's really good. And we went out there and we're, uh, you know, we're playing this tournament and the, the head coach, you know, this was our first game of the season. We're in a tournament and the head coach is going around and he's asking people, he's like, what position do you like to play? You know, where, where do you think you would fit in on the field? And I understood what he was trying to do because he was trying to make sure that, you know, the kids felt respected and like, you know, they were part of a team. But it, he already knew where he wanted to put everyone. And instead of putting them, instead of having that decision made, he was asking a bunch of opinions. And he got a bunch of opinions. And then all of a sudden, you know, we we were confused and uh, and we ended up losing that game by, you know, a score of two to zero. So the next day, he comes back and he's like, not doing that again. He's like, here's where everyone plays. I don't care what you think, we'll deal with that in practice. If you want to share your opinion, you can share your opinion in practice. But for a game, I'm putting you where you need to go. We won that game three to two. And so, you know, just the difference of that, you know, clear directive. Uh, yeah, as as the owner, as the CEO, don't don't ask opinion if you already know the answer. You know, 
get the buy-in. I agree. I agree. Now jumping to another one uh, that's on the same subject as we're talking about managers and leadership and decisions, I'm going to bring in micromanaging <sighs> because, well, you and I know that, and, and most people who are micromanagers don't realize it. Yeah. Yeah. That's another problem that we face, but micromanaging. But they see it in others, which I find very <laughs> <laughs> interesting. <laughs> but if you find that, are you even hint or think or worry that you might be a micromanager, it is a huge time waster. And let me tell you why you duplicate work, you freeze employees. So they don't do work. They don't make decisions. They are not, they're not moving forward with their own initiative. Your whole thing comes to a stop. You're nowhere near efficient. And if you're not running efficiently, it's a time waster. Yeah. So I was working with this business once and, uh, the owner of the company uh, she thought that she was very understanding of, you know, people's needs and their autonomy. And, you know, so people would, would, would come to her and ask all the time, well, what do you want done here? What do you want done here? And she'd just be like, you do what you're going to do, make it happen, you know? And that's how she perceived her management style. Well, uh, one of the employees, uh, ended up leaving and they did an exit interview and they asked in that exit interview, you know, what would you change? And this employee, he said, well, you know, she's a micromanager and it was hard to work with her. And it just floored her because she's like, I'm a micromanager, you know, and, and how, how can that be? And so she actually kind of brought me in to, to help understand the situation. She's like, I'm at a loss. I don't even know what to do. You know, I thought that I was this, very open, you know, uh, allowing people to to self-manage. And then I'm finding out that one of the reasons I lost an employee was because my management style was too micromanaging. And, you know, I asked the question, I said, well, what's the follow-up look like? I said, what do you mean? I said, well, what's the follow-up? After you say, do whatever you want to do, and they do what they want, then what? She's like, well, if it doesn't work, I step in so that it works. And I'm like, that's where the micromanaging is happening. It's, it's not on the front end. It's on the back end because they all know that you won't let them make the final say. And if they don't do what you want, then you're going to go in and change it. And it makes them look bad because they got it wrong, as it were, you know, and, and so micromanaging, and this goes to the point of, you know, micromanagers don't realize that they're micromanaging is, you know, she didn't understand that she was micromanaging because she's like, oh yeah, do whatever you want. But then she always had to fix it, always had to fix it, always had to fix it. And, and a good way to help fix or change from being a micromanager to an empowerer is allowing your employees to shine and taking, uh, credit or or some uh, pride in the fact that your employees underneath you look really good mm. so instead of me trying to make sure that oh yeah my employee's good because of me no 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 my employee is amazing and I allow them to be amazing okay I've never known anyone who or an organization where that, that had amazing employees that they looked at the the owner and said wow they're worthless no if you look at a good company and the employees are amazing, customer service is amazing, their product development is amazing, you always, 
always assume the leadership is amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But on the other side, if you deal with lousy employees and customer services, bad works, it ripples through. Well, their ownership must be lousy or lousy or micromanaging as well. So you got to remember that uh, allowing your employees to shine, take credit, put them in the spotlight, it does as much good for you as it does for them. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't have to micromanage. Let them, just let them shine. Yeah. And remember, I mean, we're talking about time wasters here. Think about how much time is wasted every time, you know, someone thinks that employees are going to be lazy and they're just like, they won't go to the employee. They're like, let me talk to your manager. It took twice as much labor to resolve that concern if you would have had just, you know, uh, an engaged, empowered employee on the front end. You don't have to work it up the up the chain of command. And so every time someone says, let me talk to your manager, you at least doubled the amount of labor that that transaction costs you. And so that's what I want to think about in this, you know, as, as we're discussing this, is to realize where are we wasting time? Time is money. If I'm doubling my labor, I pay for labor. You know, I mean, look at your payroll and think to yourself, wow, if I could trim that by 10%, I, I can't think of any organization that if they were able to trim their payroll by 10%, that that wouldn't have a huge impact on it. Well, you might not trim it by 10% directly, but if you could get 10% more, you know, labor out of what you're paying for, it's huge, huge. You know, and so these time wasters, every time that, you know, someone's given a task and then the owner's going to come in and redo the task, wasted time. You know, a meeting where something was planned and then the, uh, you know, a decision is changed, wasted time. And this is adding up and adding up and adding up. And all of a sudden your costs are going through the roof and you don't know that they're going through the roof because you can't see it. It's not going to show up as a line item on the financial statements that it's like, oh, wow, our, uh, you know, wasted conversation has gone up by 5%. <laughs> That'd be cool to have on your, on your P&L. It'd probably be insightful. It would be very insightful. While we're still on this one, and I want to touch on this, you and I have had a lot of conversations over the years about this one when it comes to employees and, and learning to stop micromanaging and, and Understanding, do I need my employee to work hours or do I need them to work projects? So Mm -hmm. am I paying them to get things done or am I paying them to get work hours? Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure that that's clear because there are some positions in my organization that are a lot more efficient if I help them understand I'm paying you to get things done because they'll be more initiative taking. They'll be more creative in what they do versus, uh, you know, if I have a, a front desk, Sometimes I just need someone to work hours. There's a big difference between those, and you need to understand those uh, roles in your organizations to create that efficiency and get rid of some of that time wasting by understanding that one concept alone. Well, and this is interesting because right now we are in an employee crisis. Uh, I keep hearing from so many businesses that they are just struggling to get anyone to work for them you see restaurants that are they're you know closing down 
in, instead of being open seven days a week, they're now only open five days a week because they just can't find employees right now. And it's a very interesting situation, uh, you know, kind of kind of a unique situation that uh, is fascinating to follow but difficult to manage. Well, if you're trying to retain employees and you just keep raising wages and raising wages and raising wages, uh, it's going to cause several problems. One, it creates this expectation, and you were talking about expectations earlier with communication, you know, that missed expectations is a form of uh, poor communication. I forget exactly how you said it. Close enough. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, miscommunication uh, is a form of poor communication, or missed expectations is a form of uh, poor communication. And so if you start just raising wages and raising wages, all of a sudden it builds this expectation that it's like, oh, yeah, they're going to keep raising wages. And at some point you can't do that. And so if you're looking for an alternative incentive, think about this. If you have someone who's working 40, 50, 60 hours a week and you go to them and you say, hey, if you can get all of, you know, all of your projects completed in 30 hours, Instead of working four tens, we're going to work four eights. What do you think that would do to your employees to be like, really? Like, you know, because four tens are, they're, they're tough. You know, if you've got uh, after school stuff that you're trying to take care of with kids, or if you're, you know, engaged in any, any personal things, you know, like you're trying to exercise regularly, it's tough to work a four ten schedule. But if you had a four eight schedule, like that's a huge incentive. And if you could do that, it doesn't raise any cost. Your payroll does not go up and your employees are now highly satisfied because they just got a perk. Even if you could drop them down to 36 hours a week and just be like half day Fridays, you know, like there are so many opportunities that you have to deal with this employee crisis by getting a little bit efficient, getting a little bit creative, understanding the employee's needs, you know, not wasting, you know, this is all about eliminating waste and it's the waste of work. If I'm just sitting there for the sake of sitting there, there's a waste. Especially when, and you talked about highly satisfied employees, if they're sitting there because they really don't have anything to do, but they're just filling time, you know where their thoughts are? Oh, I could be getting this done. Oh, I could be getting that done. Or I could be getting my workout in. And guess what they become? Disgruntled. Yeah. Uh, they, that thought process takes them the exact opposite. It, you're much better off saying, look, I pay you to get things done. As long as things are getting done, I don't care when you're here for the most part. You know, meetings and things like that, you know, keep, keeping, you know, keep it rational. But I don't care. I don't care. And, and you'll find that those employees... Not all of them will do it, but a hype, you know, 20% of your employee force by Murphy's law should at least be able to fit in that category. Mm -hmm. They're more satisfied. They're more effective. They're more creative. They're more functional in your organization. They enjoy work. Yeah. And when they enjoy work, guess what they do for your business? They help it grow. Yeah. They're invested. I, I think it's important to point out, and we probably should do a full episode on this because there's a lot that goes into that equation. But it's important to point out, you know, you, you, you mentioned the 80-20, uh, and not everyone, is, like there are some personalities out there that they want to work their 40 hours. They want to punch in, punch out, keep it on the same schedule because they're just going to come in and they're going to perform, you know, 
tedious tasks, and that's that's what you're going to pay them to do. Just because you've got that mix doesn't mean that you should treat everyone that way. Uh, you know, your top performers tend to be the ones that aren't watching the clock. They're looking at what you know what they're accomplishing and how they're accomplishing, and so super interesting. But we we do have to wrap up because uh, we're running out of time, and I want to hit on just this one final point, and that is, you know, I already mentioned you're going to pay some employees to take care of these tedious tasks. I can't tell you how many times I see the owner of the company getting sucked into tedious tasks. Now, if you're like a one, two, three person shop, sure, pay your dues, do what needs to be done. Some of it's going to be tedious. But when I see someone who's overseeing, you know, 20 people in their company, and they're still manually putting together their reports. Why? You know, you, you are the owner of the company. You are to provide the vision. Get someone else to take care of tasks. You can easily hire out tasks. You can outsource out tasks. It's easy to do. But vision, if you don't have it, the company doesn't have it. And, and so if you're too busy doing all of, you know, all the little stuff, then you don't have any time to actually put your energies and efforts where they need to be. We, we find in most organizations, employees are there for a paycheck. Yeah. So the owner, the leadership has to have the time to set the vision correctly for it, which means just as you say, you, you got to be careful not wearing too many hats and taking on those uh, remedial tasks that are now uh, distracting you from what you really should be doing. And and you got to trust, you know, I mean, some of that stuff, uh, I'll see these owners that, uh, you know, they don't want to let go of certain things. See this a lot in the financials where, you know, they're going to hire a CFO, but then not let the CFO actually do their job. I'm like, no, you got to trust that if you don't have the, if you can't trust your employees, you shouldn't hire them in the first place. You know, and so you've got to trust that these people are going to do the right thing, that they're going to take care of you, put some checks and balances in place, you know, some securities so that they're not going to, you know, embezzle money from the company. But yeah, you got to let go. And that's so hard. I see so many owners that they just won't let go. And I'm like, you're holding yourself back. And there's good things out there uh, with business acumen, business maturity that you can go and study to understand where are my sweet spots? And let's stay focused on that. Mm. And maybe we'll talk about that in a future episode. So, but with that, let's go ahead and get it wrapped up. We hope you found some value in our discussion today and look forward to having you join us in our future episodes. Awesome. Take care. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions.